Support for this podcast and the following message come from Corient. Corient provides wealth management services centered around you. They focus on exceeding your expectations and simplifying your life. Corient has been helping high achievers just like you enjoy their lives more fully, preserve their wealth, and provide for the people, causes, and communities they care about. As one of the largest integrated fee-only registered investment advisors in the U.S., Corient has deeply experienced teams in 23 strategic locations. Corient has extensive knowledge spanning the full spectrum of planning, investing, lending, and money management disciplines. Leverage Corient's exclusive network of experts to craft custom solutions designed to help you reach your financial goals, no matter how complex they may be. Real wealth requires real solutions. For more information, connect with a wealth advisor today at Corient.com. That's C-O-R-I-E-N-T.com. Corient.com. For the ones who work hard to ensure their crew can always go the extra mile. And the ones who get in early so everyone can go home on time. There's Granger, Offering professional-grade supplies backed by product experts so you can quickly and easily find what you need. Plus, you can count on access to a committed team ready to go the extra mile for you. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger, For the ones who get it done. Another week, another top 10 prospect list live at JustBaseball.com. It's the call-up. I'm Aram Layton. He's Jack McMullen, and we're talking Milwaukee Brewers' top prospects on this beautiful Tuesday, September 6th. Yes, we are. Um, I am kind of in the mood, Aram, to give you some hyperbolic comps. So we'll see uh, that's, what that's why I, I bring do. you on. Why else are you here? We'll see, like, Sal Freelick, if everything works out, might be Ichiro Suzuki. Like, we'll we'll talk about that. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, Felix Valario, if it all works out, is is Chris Taylor. Yeah, so the way I was looking at Jefferson Caro, who is uh, another top 10 prospect, I was like, defensively, he could be like, you know, I, I see flashes of Yadier Molina with like a right-handed Bryce Harper yes. offensively. Like that's kind of what you see. So yeah, we'll, we'll have this conversation. <laughs> yeah. You know, I, I wish, I wish I could like dig back and well, we're going to have now it's just baseball ages, which is gonna be really funny going back and looking at like the good and the bad of the prospect yeah. takes. I'm sure there's going to be some guy we love that we get hyperbolic on that just flops, which like, for example, actually, by the way, Lewis Brinson, two home runs yesterday. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. I read some of the most hyperbolic write-ups on him, uh, you know, when he was first coming up. And also, I mean, he rakes through the minor leagues. I can understand that, though. He, we played him in high school. He beat out a ground ball that he hit hard to second base. Like, second baseman fielder routinely throw it over safe. Like, he was a freak, but now looks really good. But it just shows you how much of a jump there is between the upper minors and then the big leagues. Because guys can rake in the upper minors and just not put it together in the bigs. 
So I know you're working on a top 100 update right now. And, you know, you sent you sent a rough top 20 and there's a Rockies prospect in there that is not Zach Veen. Yeah. And I was thinking, like, how on God's green earth is Zach Veen not a top 20 guy and um, the number one prospect in the Rockies system? But like, I understand I went on another statistical dive and then like looked at recent video of both of them. And I was like, okay, this might make sense. Um, But Veen is like. I was thinking Veen's probably the guy that I die on. If Veen yeah, really it's struggles, yeah, it's possible. Like, and if I mean, if we talk about fizzles out. I'm that I'm the guy. Like I'm well, gonna wear it because his ceiling is immense. Right? And we're gonna talk about a guy on, on this in this Brewer system whose ceiling is immense, but a lot of evaluators are preparing to die on that hill uh, with with the top prospects in this Brewers system in Jackson Chorio. So yeah. there's there's a little bit of discussion that we can tie in there. But Veen is, is someone, if you really like him and you believe the hit tool is going to translate, yeah, I mean, that's a hill I'd die on because the projectability is crazy, the tools are crazy, and the swing is beautiful. Uh, so, I mean, there's a lot to like there. And, and there's a lot to like with some of these guys in the Brewers system. Joey Weimer might be the guy I end up dying on that hill because he's yeah. been a bit streaky through the season. But let's fly through the honorable mentions of this brewer system because you know when i look at what this system has uh, kind of developed into this was one of the worst in baseball not long ago maybe a year and a half ago this was one of the worst systems in baseball they did make the josh Hader trade which helps right you you go trade josh Hader. two of their top 10 prospects by us uh were acquired in that josh Hader deal but even if you subtract that trade system is vastly improved by hitting on Jackson Churio, um, and I know it's probably early to say you hit, but if if we're evaluating it from a farm system perspective, they hit on him, right? So that was a big, big time development for them in terms of, of what he's turned into. And then they've killed it recently in the draft, and their draft approach is pretty simple. Draft a really good college player, and usually it translates, and we'll get into each of those individual guys and the honorable mentions in a second. Yeah, Milwaukee tugs at my heartstrings with that draft, um, with that draft initiative that they take because sometimes those guys are just really good baseball players, you know, and like it took a teensy bit for Andrew Benintendi to like figure out what kind of player he wanted to be. But I think everybody knew that Benintendi was like going to be a very good major league player in college. Um, You know, you see it translate less and less in the NFL and the NBA. Um, I think in the NBA, you do see some guys that are great college players that aren't necessarily deemed as projectable. um, Because you have to keep up as a freak athlete. Yeah, you got to keep up. Um, Baseball, hitting, you don't have to be a freak athlete to be a good hitter. I mean, like hitters look like Daniel Vogelbach and Jose Altuve and Nick Madrigal and Aaron Judge. Yeah. They come in all shapes and sizes. If you hit, you hit. And there are a lot of good hitters in this list. A hundred percent. One thing I will say, though, is I don't know if I've ever written up a system with more speed. <laughs> this this is all watch when we fly through each of these uh, prospects. They all fly, which is really funny. But again, even even so, uh, they take a lot of the college bats that didn't light the world on fire, had a good hit tool, maybe some projectable power and can fly. And I really like that, that Brewers approach. It's pretty interesting, but one guy that doesn't fit that mold that they just selected in the 2022 draft is Jacob Mizorowski. I hope I said that correct. Big dude, high school, big arm, a uh, second round pick in 2022, six foot seven fastball. That's tr- touched triple digits. Uh, but you know, he, he's kind of lacked some command 
I think a Juco guy, I said high school Juco guy, uh, but 20 years old walked, I think 40 it was in like 60 something innings. Like the command is not great, but a second round pick with big time upside. They need some pitchers in their system, obviously not the big league level. And this is a guy that could really develop nicely. The Brewers have done a pretty good job of developing arms. So Mizrowski's definitely interesting uh, with the upside that he has as a power pitcher. Uh, Jacob Mizorowski uh, has one start in low A. He got one out, walked four. Yeah. I'm surprised they already assigned him to low A. I thought he'd be in the complex, kind of just just working on the command, working on the mechanics. Um, there's just a lot of moving parts, and he does not sync it all up too great yet. Yes, too great yet, but he's got time. That's the beauty of him. Exactly. Um, and the Brewers, you know, I mean, look, they developed their arms pretty well. So – uh, it's it, it's an interesting prospect. He's an interesting pr- prospect to follow just through that lens. Huge projectability, right organization. Another guy that's a little bit different, maybe the opposite type of profile, is Carlos Rodriguez, who was signed for very little as an international free agent, but has looked very, very solid for the Brewers now in high A. Four pitches that he's comfortable throwing for a strike. He mixes them all up, and he has great command. Uh, he's He's probably one of the more interesting pitching prospects in this system, sixth round pick out of Florida Juco and uh, just has the pitch ability going for him. 21.6% K minus BB rate, really solid arm. Uh, that's a guy that could climb pretty quickly and projects as a back end of the rotation starter. I like guys that climb as quickly as they do. Like you mentioned in this write-up that Carlos Rodriguez is 20 years old already, um, I wouldn't say excelling in high A, but he's he's coming into his own and like he knows himself at 20 years old and he's already a step away from the upper minors. Um, so this is a guy that's going to be 21 years old and double next year, assuming, you know, the progression is is run of the bill for for Carlos Rodriguez. Like you need some of those guys. Yeah. You need some of those guys that much like how guys just know how to hit. It sounds like Carlos Rodriguez just knows how to pitch. Absolutely. And I, he's already looking like a steal out of the sixth round. Uh, Ethan Small, tough guy to peg. Uh, I know you've got some thoughts on, on on Small. We've seen him for cameos at the big league level. Command has been an issue, <clears throat> excuse me, for Ethan Small. But yeah. fastball has riding life in the low 90s. The changeup works exceptionally well off of it. Those two pitches really help him. But a meh breaking ball and struggles with command of the changeup really leave him susceptible to blow up starts because when you don't have the change up, you're leaning on a low nineties fastball that does get zone with, but when guys are geared up for that, they'll adjust even no matter how much induced vertical break it has. And if yep. the changeup's not there, you're relying on a subpar breaking ball. It's going to be hard to get outs that way. And we've seen him kind of inconsistent for that reason. So Kyle Harrison is Trevor Rogers light, right? Yeah. Maybe heavy soon. <laughs> yeah. Ethan small is Trevor Rogers. Very, very light. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I mean, he's, he really is. Um, he's, a, he's a tall, lanky guy with a drastic overhead delivery, and it's it's fastball changeup. How do those two work off of each other? You mentioned high spin, good ride on the fastball. The perceived velocity is better on the fastball than I think you would expect, because yeah. this is a guy like much like Chris Young, current GM of the Texas Rangers, when he was pitching, because I guess we're old enough to remember Chris Young, the major league pitcher, yeah. although I think a lot of people are old enough to remember Chris Young, the major league pitcher. Um, Chris Young, he was 6'9", 6'10". I think he might have been 6'9", but he was like 88 to 90 with his fastball. But because he was so big, 
it played up to look like it was 91, 92. And he had a lot of guys behind that fastball. That's kind of what Ethan Small does with that high spin, low 90s fastball. It may look like 95 because of how tall he is, the arm slot that it comes from and the ride that it gets. But you're right. If he doesn't have the changeup, I've seen outings where he doesn't have the changeup. It's a bad outing for Ethan Small. Yeah, because these hitters, even even if the fastball plays up, they'll they'll get to it. They figure it out. They figure it out, man. Like these are professional hitters. They know. Um, I was listening to a conversation that Josh Donaldson had um, about swinging where the pitch isn't yet. And I'm not a big Josh Donaldson guy, like, but I I respect what he brings. He's a pretty revolutionary hitter. He was one of the first guys that kind of led that like crush it in the air kind of mentality. Yes, exactly. And and he rode what? Was he an American League MVP, Donaldson? Yeah. Yeah. With Toronto? Yeah, yep. he won MVP with Toronto. But Donaldson, um, a couple years ago, I think this was actually during the like sticky stuff conversation. He said, pitch movement has gotten to the point where we have to swing where the pitch isn't yet. <laughs> That's crazy. Because you expect like a high spin fastball, you got to swing over the top of it because it's going to meet your barrel there. Like sliders, you got to swing where you think it's going to go. Um, That's what professional hitters can do. So yeah. if Ethan Small turns into that one pitch pitcher, by the second or third inning, certainly second time through the order, they're going to start swinging where the fastball isn't yet, and they're going to start barreling it up. Exactly. Well, it's kind of funny. I guess Josh Donaldson's done a little bit too good of a job of swinging where the ball is in this year. Mm-hmm. Uh, Felix Velario, uh, an interesting prospect. We actually saw a little bit of him. I, when we went to Biloxi, um, you you probably weren't even paying attention to Felix Velario that much. No. Um, you know, I, I did look at him a little bit only because I was hearing his name a lot in the 2022 Bowman. Um, and, and that was a name that people were interested in. Look, I'm not collecting his cards. Uh, that doesn't mean he's not going to be a big leaguer. He's a good athlete. Uh, bat to ball skills are solid. Really good approach. Can play all over the diamond. There's utility upside there. And then Cam Deveni. Very interesting prospect here because he's 25. I will acknowledge that. But a 15th round pick in 2019, Deveni last season hit 175 with five homers in 87 double A games, Jack. This year adds 10 to 15 pounds of muscle, makes some adjustments to his setup and approach. He's launched 20 homers in double A while upping his batting average by 100 points. I understand he's repeating the level, but anytime you 4X your home run total and raise your batting average by 100 points while playing all over the infield, you've got my attention, and this is another guy that could be a nice utility piece. You mentioned that we weren't really watching Valerio um, in Biloxi. Devaney was one of those guys that like forced your hand to watch because mm-hmm. you know we weren't going in watching him. We were going in to watch Freelick and Weimer. Uh, and and some of the pitchers, Josh we Bradley see, and like Josh yeah. Bradley, yeah, and Curtis Mead. Like we exactly. saw a lot of good guys out there. Exactly. So y- your eyes go to them, but when Devaney was up, I, it was like we watched this at bat because he was a big guy. Obviously, brought the thump. Um, I mean, this there's a non, <laughs> there's a non-zero chance he's a major leaguer. Yeah, I think he might be, and the versatility really helps him. And again, like that's a I always like seeing those developments. There's always guys like that that have the natural ability and finally find a way to unlock it. So there, there's a chance he could be a legit dude. You missed one guy, Hendry Mendez. Oh, yeah. Loe. Yes. Sorry. Hendry Mendez. Um, another guy that's just uh, the reason why I put him as an honorable mention. 
he's way ahead of his years, which, which I always like to see because you got to hit and then you can add the power. That's how it is for, for guys that I think are safer prospects. Mendez has projection. He's six foot two, but at 18 years old is already putting the bat on the ball a ton and is already getting a chance to hit at low a, if you're 18 and you're getting a crack at low a, you're either a freak like Jackson Trurio, who's now at high a, or you've got really good bat to ball skills. Mendez has that with physical projection. I'm interested. Uh, 2021 international free agent. Cool. We'll start with number 10. Um, and, and this is something I'll admit we're probably a bit lower and it's not because I don't like him. It's just more of I liking the other guys and the overall just limited ceiling of Tyler Black, who's unfortunately out for season, which we'll get into in a second because positional situation kind of played into that. Uh, but Tyler Black, first round pick compensation round last year out of Wright State. We know Wright State turns out hitters and Tyler Black is just that. Plus hit tool projection here. He's, he's pretty close to already being a plus hit tool guy. Plays second base. They started moving him to the outfield a little bit. Plays a little third. I'll start with the bat. Really good bat to ball skills. Really good approach. Knows himself as a hitter. Scrappy. Walks a ton because he can spoil pitches and he doesn't chase. And he, he is a guy that is going to grind out at bats. Kind of Jeff McNeil style. I think that's what you would somewhat dream on, but he's not the athlete or the defender that McNeil is, which is the problem. Um, power is, is not really there. There's not much you're, you're dreaming on average power best, probably more than likely below average, but he's a left-handed bat can spray it all over, has all the intangibles gamer, um, but I think the defensive home plays a big part in this too. They've played him at third a little bit. They've played him at second, which is his natural position. They put him in center and that's actually how he got hurt. I don't know if you saw the video I sent, um, but he was laying out for a fly ball. I think he made the catch it was actually a pretty impressive catch, but landed funny. And I mean, these guys aren't used to kind of diving, laying out that way. We saw Vaughn in the outfield, Andrew Vaughn with the White Sox and he fractured his scapula laying out on July 10th and it was out for in. So Tyler Black's out for season. He had good numbers in high a, uh, but that experiment in the outfield and center. Um, I don't know if they're going to continue it or not. I'd assume they will and kind of chalk it up to a fluke injury, but I'd imagine he's still playing. If he wasn't playing in the outfield, uh, it was probably a little foreign for him. And he, he's not used to diving that way. Dude, I, it's brutal. Like, and, and you don't want to say malpractice, but no, like, I mean, you, you gotta you try wanna, him out there. You got to try him out there. What are you going to teach him how to dive? Like, it's just an unfortunate situation. I'm not sure. Yeah, it, it's brutal. Um, Cop time. You ready? I've oh, got, God. I've got a hit comp for you. Okay. What he does is kind of similar to panic, right? Joe panic. <laughs> Joe panic. Yeah, I guess. Yeah. Wasn't right, Joe panic a good panic- defender though? He was a gold glove second baseman. I'm not uh, I'm not making the defensive comp, offensive comp. Um, I mean, he's he, panic is a 264 hitter with a 700 career OPS. Kind of feels like what Tyler Black could be at the big league level, right? Yeah. Yeah. So I think that's pretty, pretty similar. I would say Black is going to walk a lot more. So that does help he, Black's Black's floor a so bit panic, more. Panic didn't walk. 8% walk rate, 10% K rate. So yeah. he's going to strike out a little bit more. He's going to walk a little bit. I more. think you can bank on a 12 and a 15, like wow, 12% okay. walk rate. This guy walks, man. I was watching the ABs. He knows the strike zone almost too well, right? Where in the minor leagues, he's taking pitches that are balls in the big leagues that are getting called for strikes. Then he adjusts and he spoils them or drives it the other way. I mean, this guy commands at bats as well as anybody I've seen in the minors, really. And that's why he was a first round pick because he messed his labrum up. 
in high school or college, he can't throw that well. So I mean, they, they w- the Brewers knew that they were taking a college bat here that has a high floor that will climb quickly. I would assume even with missing time, we'll start next year in double A. It's just what's the ceiling here? I don't know. But if he's walking a bit and getting on base at a 350, 360 clip, putting the ball in play as a left-handed bat at the top of your order that does all the little things well, that's, that's a good piece to have. And I think there's a there's a very high chance he's a big leaguer. I just don't know how good of one he's going to be. I'm hung up that he's had a labrum issue and a scap issue in his career. Right already. labrum, left scap. That's craziness. Dude, dude's going to be the 50-year-old that like, can't race. Yeah. No, I know. I know. Speedy recovery for Tyler Black. And you know, he he looked passable in center. That might help his profile a little bit if he can stick out there. A guy we both like and a guy that just made his first outing or his first start in AAA, the yeah. recently acquired Robert Gasser. And those who have listened to this podcast for a while may have may have remembered our discussion on Gasser. When we talked Padre system way back, I mean, this is somebody that we liked out of the draft uh, out of Houston, basically as much as anybody. I don't know if there's anybody higher and we might've been the lowest on, on black. Cause I've seen him as high as six and five on other publications. We were definitely the highest on gasser out of the yeah. gate. And I mean, he has been fantastic. It, the question was command a little bit and, and the command has continued to get better. The fastball is above average. The slider is disgusting. And I'll get into those numbers in a second. He has an, a changeup that flashes above average and a curveball he steals strikes with, all complemented by a funky, deceptive delivery. I'm a huge Robert Gasser fan. And that was a great get for them in the Josh Hader trade. Yeah, bad first impression in Nashville. Three and two thirds walked six. Yeah, um, it like you know, but that's that's a twenty one year old or twenty three year old. Sorry, that's a twenty three year old and a very young twenty three getting his first taste of AAA ball. Like that's nerve wracking. Um, that doesn't excuse six walks, but I mean, you can you can give him the benefit of the doubt and you can ask for a bounce back outing this week. Um, yeah. With Gasser, like he is electric. And I had the opportunity to call one of his starts in high A right before the trade. And I was watching the fastball and I was watching the slider play off the fastball. Both are lively as hell. Oh, yeah. And for left, if you're a lefty, forget about it. If you're it's over, you, like, you have no chance. Beat lefties. Yes. So that's the thing that's interesting about Gasser is his floor is basically multi inning lefty reliever. Like if it all goes bad, he's Drew Pomerantz. <laughs> like you know what I'm saying. Like and, and the reliever, Drew Pomerantz, like the one that made ten million dollars because he was so nasty as a left on left reliever. Left on left, opponents have a five seventy three OPS against Gasser. But the reason why I have confidence in Gasser sticking in the rotation is the command really has improved as the years gone on. I like you've seen a lot of guys make their AAA debut, Jack. There's a lot that goes into it. The zone's a little bit tighter. The hitters are more selective. The stadium's a little bit bigger. There's generally more. There's a lot that goes into it. I'm willing to give Robert Gasser a mulligan on his first AAA start, like you said. And and I, I'm sure you've seen plenty of guys get their first look and, and just be a little bit spooked by the situation. Another guy I know that we're both high on is Mike Burrows in the pirate system. And, yeah. and Burrows, he had a double mulligan. Like it was... He went four strong, or he went three his first time, and then in the fourth, he sputtered a little bit, I want to say, or he was pulled early, one of which he was pulled early. Um, And then start number two, uh, he went four really strong, and in the fifth, he got blown up like it was T-ball for everybody. So, 
yeah, like these guys deserve a mulligan when they are this young making their first career start in AAA. So, yeah, I, I've got no worries about six walks in his AAA debut. Pretty surprising how fast he's been like, kind of, I was going to say, fast-tracked basically to AAA. Uh, but I think it's a testament to the stuff and and what they've seen from him. And, and we've been talking about this via text with a couple of guys, honestly. And and Gasser could be an example of that. The, the guy that we're really talking about it um, is, is Andrew Painter. Yeah, like, don't waste bullets yeah. with yeah. pitchers, with hitters. You have to get acclimated to the level yeah. and, and reps are everything with pitchers. You can make the argument that reps are not everything. No, if they're, they're- you have your stuff. If you show that you have the ability to compete at each level, I need three starts max for you to prove that. Like, I yeah. don't think, oh, one start, like, let's let's get him up. But I think, you know, if Andrew Painter looks great over six starts and double, have him make a cameo and triple at the end of the year. And and there's exactly, and there's differences too, right? Like I watch a Jack Leiter start, who's shown really good flashes as of late, but there's starts where Jack Leiter strikes out eight. And I'm like, uh, that's still, that's not going to translate just yet, right? Like sliders that back up on him, but he still gets a whiff because he's just better than most of the other guys. Or fastballs, he leaves middle, middle, but he gets a whiff because he's just better than most of the other guys. You got someone like Andrew Painter, like he's hitting his spots. He's mixing it up. Gasser was doing that too. Those are the guys you fast track a little bit and, yes. and feel good about it and and don't waste the bullets. And yes. it, it's kind of interesting seeing them do that. And I, I hope, I think he'll get acclimated over the next couple starts. Another how guy early that can, you think he can get up real quick. Sorry. Next year. Ne- like how early next year? Like May? Yeah, I, I do think so. I think if he puts together a hot start and it depends how he finishes this year, but if he finishes respectably, and, and goes into next year and turns out five starts where he really looks good. I think he can be brought up. And I think he's already getting ready to kind of jump over um, Ethan Small. And, yeah. and, you know, Ashby's kind of more solidified in that bullpen swingman role. Swing Gasser man. could end up being that lefty starter for them. Yeah, I mean, they they have Lauer too, but we're looking yeah. at Burns, Woodruff, Freddie, Lauer. And then the five is open if Ashby's the swingman. Yeah. And Gasser could be a second swing man. I mean, they've got they've got a nice level of depth there. That's that's pretty exciting. Yeah. Guy that should climb pretty quickly is Eric Brown Jr. And there's yeah. another one I talked to our guy Pete Flaherty who who saw him up close in the Cape Cod League. He played for the Katuit Kettleers, put up great numbers there. Uh, Eric Brown, he, really good college stats, really good numbers on the Cape, and probably one of the most un- unorthodox swings that you'll ever see. I, I'm going to use my crutch here for those watching on YouTube. Perfect. I will but replicate with a bat. He, st- <laughs> he starts with his hands legitimately over his head this way and brings them all the way back over the backside of his head as he has a massive leg kick. And you know what? It freaking works. Yeah, you got it. You got it. It works for him. It's one of the most disruptive swings or like setups I've seen, but he times it up well. He repeats it all well, and he's a great athlete. What it really helps him do, I think, is get his hands kind of just swatted back as he really lifts his leg up and he stays in his backside really well. So that's what really helps him get into his backside. It works. He's toned it down a little bit. Um, the moving parts are a bit crazy, but he's a first round pick 27th overall because he doesn't whiff, which is also crazy given all the moving parts. Great field to hit good athlete above average power potential, but I think he's closer to average uh, power to dream on. Good chance to stick it short, but you know, I was talking to Pete Flaherty about it, and Pete was like he would be an elite defensive second baseman as well if, if that's where you know they want to move him. 
and all the intangibles, the makeup is, is, is really off the charts. Everyone really loves what he brings to the field and to the dugout. Uh, Brown's another high floor college bat and a really well-rounded game. Um, 18 games in low A for Eric Brown, his first, you know, action away from the complex. Seven extra base hits, including three pumps, 10 bags in yeah. 18 games. So, so that, that's what Pete was saying. Super heady player. Um, he's above average runner. Good times to first, but like he knows when to run. He's savvy on the base paths. He does all the little things well. Um, I, I, I like him as a middle infield prospect with a little bit of juice, a great field to hit, and all the intangibles that make you like him. Again, a guy with a little, obviously more of a ceiling than Tyler Black. Not as much of a ceiling as some of the other guys we're about to talk about, but still a solid floor as, as a solid college bat. Yeah, and take you know take college numbers with a grain of salt, but this year at Coastal, um, he slashed 334, 60, 544 um, with 12 bags and an 11% K rate. How about the Cape? Uh, the Cape last year, 33 games, slashed 282, 375, 436. That's fantastic. Struck out, yeah, struck out 20 times in 138 plate appearances. That's what really solidified him, I think, as a first rounder. Um, and, and the Brewers, of course, were the team to snag him up. Yeah. Next guy's guy we talked about a little bit a couple episodes ago. Garrett Mitchell, surprisingly yeah. called up. Um, it's been a little bit of a struggle for him, bat to ball wise at the big league level, as it is for many prospects who make the leap. Mitchell played 20 games in AAA before getting promoted. We've talked about his specific situation. He made some tweaks, you know, has, has looked a lot better at the plate, is making more consistent contact. But what's interesting with Mitchell is he's faster than I think a lot of people thought he would be. He's a plus plus runner. Um, his defense and center looks really solid because he's got a big arm as well. I think that's why the Brewers were were confident in promoting him. You look at an Asturi Ruiz, who we're going to get to, He's not as good in the outfield yet. He's a converted infielder that's still continuing to get acclimated out there. He's going to be a fine defensive outfielder, but Garrett Mitchell's already a big league center fielder. So I think that's why they wanted to call him up. Also a left-handed stick. He's got plus raw power, which is the frustrating part with Mitchell, who again was the 20th overall pick out of UCLA in 2020. It's frustrating because he hits the ball on the ground 60% of the time since he's gone pro and it has not really improved in any way. So we haven't seen many home runs from him despite the fact that he is able to uh, to produce 110 mile per hour exit velos, we saw it on his first big league home run. He's got plus raw power. He just hits it on the ground. Yeah. I, I don't know what to make of Garrett Mitchell. Like I, I really have no idea because while it feels like Freelick has an identity, while it feels like Joey Weimer has an identity, while it feels like Estuary Ruiz has an identity, I'm not sure what Garrett Mitchell's identity is. He's 6'3", 215. He looks like the best athlete on the field when he steps on the field. Like, that is that guy. Um, but he just doesn't necessarily use his athleticism in the way that I would expect. No. Um, he doesn't use that beautiful swing in a way that I would expect. Um, he's a really interesting cat for me that I have just never been able to get a read on. From UCLA to pro ball. I uh, think he was on the Cape for a little bit too, right? No, he was Northwoods in Mankato. Um, but I mean, like this is a guy who I just have never, ever, ever gotten a great read on. What I will say is he's finally starting to use that athleticism at least, which is interesting. Nine for nine in AAA on stolen bases. And then I think he stole his first bag at the big league level. That's what's fascinating. I think he's 33 for 36 in his professional career. He, he is somebody that can really burn. But the thing is, is, is there's like 20, 20 
potential to dream on, but it just seems like a further, more distant dream the more we continue to see him beat the ball into the ground. So does he want to be more of the South Freelick type where he sprays the ball all over and plays good center field and runs? Or does he want to be someone that tries to lift the ball and produce more power? And that's the question. It, it reminds me of an early Christian Yelich, but even an early Christian Yelich was hitting the ball in the air more. Uh, well, and Yelich was Yelich was tapping into his athleticism way more than Garrett Mitchell is. Yes, correct. And he was also still hitting the ball in the air. Like yeah. this is way too many ground balls for Mitchell. I'm not going to swear him off. Of course, he's he's found a way to get himself to the big leagues. But what's his ceiling here? Is it average outfielder or is it? above average impact outfielder, which is in there. It's in the tank. It's it's there. But at 24 years old now, it's like, when are we going to see him start to make the adjustments to hit the ball in the air? And right now the lower half is really hampering him uh, from being able to do so. Yeah. Somebody that I really kind of fell in love with as a prospect, uh, as we did this Brewers dive is Jefferson Caro. Jefferson Caro catching prospect, uh, 19 years old in high A, $200,000 signing in 2019. I'm a big fan of Caro's game. And I texted you about him to, to do a little dive because I was like, we're going to give him a little bit of time here. Number six prospect in this system saying a lot, given that he's ahead of a guy that just played his way up to the big leagues by raking in AAA in Garrett Mitchell. But I, I give Caro the nod because he earns such high marks for his defense. And I was watching, you know, just kind of clicking through all the pitches, watching him catch through a few outings. And He's an athletic catcher. I mean, he moves really well. He blocks really well. He receives really well. And he's got a plus arm behind the dish. He projects as a plus defender. He has all the ingredients. And then reading up on some stories that were written by him and some things that were said by the Brewers development staff, they love the way he commands the game. They love the way he works with the pitchers. That's why he's already in high A as a 19-year-old catcher. So that, that to me, all the ingredients of a plus defensive catcher. How's the offense look? My guy's probably giving up a little bit here. No. There's above average offense to dream on here. He's very aggressive, but it's because he's a young kid that puts the bat on the ball. And we always talk about that. Young hitters who put the bat on the ball love to swing more because they think they can get to everything. But there's above average power potential here. There's at least an average hit tool potential here and a a plus defensive catcher. That's a budding top 100 prospect for a 19-year-old who's holding his own in high A. Yeah. Um, the, The thing that I noticed he was pulling the ball 48% of the time in low A. That has normalized to a rate that I think will be him in high A. I think he's right around 38%. Like he's spraying it to all fields. Yep. Watching his swing. Um, do you see a little bit of that Harper load where he he drifts back and then pushes forward? Yeah. Well, yeah, he's like, he's an athletic guy. That's a that's what's really interesting. He can really get into his backside. And that's what I love. So, yeah, I I saw that and I was like, okay, pre-swing, like this load feels very Harper-esque. Not in the way where it's like he's going to pull balls 115 miles an hour. It's he can line balls the other way and have 20 doubles a year going to right as a right-handed bat. That's where I think that Carroll can be really good. I think that he can be very effective going to right center and down the right field line. It's funny. There's actually a swing. I think I'm going to tweet out right after this uh, that he took on September 4th. So that was what Sunday where I mean, the load, it's a leg kick, but he times it up so well because he's so athletic and really gets into that backside, like you said. And this pitch was like a sinker running away from him. And he just drives right through it into the right center gap. And it's just so pretty to watch. And I'm like, it was a three one pitch that he drives that way. And it's like, oh, that's maturity right there. Yes. He's not looking to go pull side and hit a home run. He's saying 3-1, one, 
I might get a cookie here out or half. He does. It's running away from him a little bit, but it's still a great pitch to hit belt high. And he drives it into the right center gap. That's what he can do. Obviously, you know, guys that like Bryce Harper that use that load and can go yard the other way because they stay in their backside so well. He's a freak. But Caro stays in his backside with that load and uses the whole field well. But when it's middle in, he's got above average power there. So he can still react in there. I want to see him walk a bit more. 36% chase rate. He's a young hitter. But the fact that he has a 36% chase rate and he's hitting 280 between the two levels this year, 283 between the two levels this year, he's already added eight home runs. There's a lot to like here. And oh, by the way, he swiped 10 bags in, in low A. And I don't know if that's always going to translate. But again, it's a testament to when I point towards that, that's just a testament to him not being a lug as yes. a catcher. Like he's an athletic catcher. Did I see fan graphs at a, at a 20 future run grade on him? Yeah, get out of here. I don't I, think that's fair. Yeah. I don't think that's fair at all. <laughs> um, I'll never forget Joey Weimer talking about that. Joey Weimer was on the podcast. And he's like, they said I'm going to get slower. Who, who, who says I'm going to get slower? Like, why am I going to get slower? Cause it was like, it was like 55 present run, like 45 future. He's like, I, I'm not getting slower. I'm going to run this speed for a long time. <laughs> it was one of my favorite things anyone's ever said on I this podcast, that. which speaking of that's who we got next, which I actually didn't even plan that transition. Joey Weimer checks in at five and, um, uh, Weimer is going to be right on the edge of our top 100. And if he gets pushed out, it's less to do with his, him not, performing the way that we were hoping, even though, you know, it's been a little bit of an up and down year from this year and more so just guys that have just you know, replenished the, the top 100 list. You have a whole set of draftees, you have international free agents that have emerged, but I really want to put Weimer in the top 100 still, because I really am impressed with the way he's been able to navigate through what was one of the worst slumps I've seen in the minors this year in double a. And they said, you know what? We're going to promote you to triple amidst your brutal slump. And he goes to triple Jack. And really settles in, cuts the K rate down by 10%. Power has started to come back and he looks really comfortable. The speed is there. Um, he is swiping bags left and right. And he is set on our podcast multiple times. So that's a big part of his game. The power is plus plus raw plus game power. Look, you're going to, you're going to deal with swing and miss. You are going to, but he has an 80 arm in the outfield. He's a really intriguing prospect and I, I'm very happy to see him settle back in and triple. Um, it, it's funny, like worst slump you've borderline ever seen from a guy in double A. And he's still putting together a year where he's at 28 doubles, 20 homers and swiped 30 backs. Weimer has a high floor. I, I don't care what people say. <laughs> like, I think he's got a high floor because um, of how big and how fast he is and how viciously he swings. Is he going to strike out a lot? Probably. Um, but can he overcome that? Absolutely. Um, yeah, I mean, you mentioned like he gets the bump to triple. So four guys got the bump to triple at the same time. Weimer, Mitchell, Freelich all came up from double. And right after the hater trade, Ruiz got assigned to triple. So you have those four guys that were like lining the outfield and also DHing every day for Nashville. And Weimer was the runt of the litter production-wise, right? Because of how bad that slump was. 28 games, he's slugging 505. He figured shit out, man. Like, he's yep. an 841 OPS guy in triple when he came up in the dumps in terms of, like, what have you yep. done for me lately? So his ability to rebound from that, that speaks to what he told us, where he goes home, plays Minecraft, and watches Family Guy. 
Like he can leave baseball in Biloxi or in Nashville. He does not think baseball when he goes back to the apartment. And that is the best thing you can do, uh, especially when you are a high strikeout rate guy, like he, like he could be. Yeah. You know, and that's, I was thinking about that when I saw him in his swamp, I was like, I wonder if he's sticking to that. I hope he's like, you know, kind of staying, staying clear in his head and, and, and sticking with the, just kind of the procedure here. And he did that. He, he got up to triple A, cut the chase rate down a little bit. And, you know, that was really all, all he needed, right? You know, his slugging on contact is going to be off the charts. The speed that he brings to the table adds a really interesting dynamic. And I know everyone likes to comp, uh, you know, a big power guy who strikes out and walks a lot and hits home runs to Joey Gallo. But here's the thing is he has the large athleticism that everyone covets of that kind of guy. And everyone comps people to Joey Gallo. But most of them don't have the athleticism. One, I think he's a better hitter than Joey Gallo. Two, yes. I think he's a better athlete than Joey Gallo. Uh, and three, he can play center, uh, which is interesting. 80 great arm. But he does have that similarity where it's like he's going to give you all the other things in the game that if he strikes out 30 percent of the time, you're still getting an extremely valuable player here. And I just I believe too much in his ability to adjust um, and and get and weather the storm. He's going to be a streaky hitter, but. And in Milwaukee, he's going to break his bat and hit homers. And I think there's 40 home run potential here, like with Joey Weimer, if it all goes right. And and he could be a 30-30 guy if it all goes right. With AmFam as the home ballpark, he could be a 30-30 guy. Yeah. And, and I love seeing him run wild. And really, he's running wild and running efficiently. 30 for 33 this he year. He was on 25 backs. for 26 in double. And we saw the one where he got thrown out. He was safe. Do you remember yeah. that? We yeah. we literally had him on the on the interview the next day, and he's like, "I'm not talking about that." <laughs> like, he's probably one of my favorite guys. We know that, but like, hilarious dude. He was safe, so he was 26 for 26. Somebody who steals a shitload of bags is Astori Ruiz, and he checks in just a blip ahead of Joey Weimer at number four. Which, dude, I think you can interchange these two guys, but ultimately, I went with the floor here. Um, Ruiz's floor is just, it's just too solid. You know, I'm, I'm looking at this, this guy who has just turned into such a solid hitter and he's made some adjustments in the plate at the plate, very small tweaks that I think have really made all the difference. You know, Buxton starts super pre-coiled because he's such a twitchy athlete that he doesn't even want to have all the load that he has to time up. He starts coiled and just unloads. Ruiz used to have his hands in a loose spot. Now he starts really coiled up. And just goes and it's enough for him. He doesn't have the raw power that some other guys have, but that coil and go is enough because of his twitch and strength that he can generate average power. And it's allowed him to tap into way more consistent contact and stay behind the baseball. So now after looking like a below average hitter, he's an average hitter, maybe above average hitter before he had, you know, below average power. He actually is average power at the very least and tapping into it much more. So it looks like it's above average. He's an elite runner. 75 out of 75 is what we gave him. Not quite 80 because 80 is kind of reserved for the one or two, maybe three fastest guys in all of minor league baseball. And the defense is a little bit behind here, but I think it's getting there. Remember, he moved from the infield now in the outfield. I think he will project as an average center fielder or an above average left fielder. The guy swiped 70 bags this year. So he's going to be one of the most dynamic base dealers in the game. And yeah. I know stolen bases are not as important, but if you're the best in the game at something, that definitely matters. No, I mean, Whit Merrifield still has a job. Like, Whit Merrifield is playing every day, even though he can't hit right now because he's the best base dealer in the game. And he, and he may not le- – ah, John Birdie, sorry. Uh, but, like, he, while Birdie has made that jump this year, 
over the last five years, Whit Merrifield has been the most heady base stealer in baseball. And that's why he is so valuable. So Estery Ruiz, I'm not saying that he's his floor is Whit Merrifield, but like he's going to have a job because he gets on base enough to make that happen. Billy Hamilton's out of a job because while he could make it happen, he doesn't get on base. And he's still around. He's not out of a job. He's playing center field or he was playing center field for the twins like two days ago. Yeah, so while, while I say he doesn't have a job, like, I mean, he's getting DFA'd a billion times a year. But, but still, he's still like, alive. How in the world yeah, is that? he's still kicking. Which, so, is, which is a testament to the value of base running. So, yes. yeah. Exactly. Um, I never thought Ruiz was going to slug the way he has this year. No clue that this was going to pop out. Because you mentioned, like, he wasn't pre-coiled before this. Like, he was so loose. I was like... That swing has no. There was power. just there was no explosiveness, right? It was like hands are loose and it almost just seemed like he was throwing his hands at it. Yeah, you, you need that. Like, you need that that tension, right? Like that separation where you you feel the the almost built up energy and then it's like explosion forward. He didn't have that. No, I saw zero impact coming from his swing before this year. And on top of that, with the hands, he struggled to time things up. So he actually was a worse hitter too. So he's added power and added just bat to ball. And making better swing decisions. He's walking double digit percent of the time for the first time in his career, which I actually think can can sustain in the eight to 10% range, which for an elite base dealer is great. And the, the strikeout rate is the lowest it's ever been. He's never been below 20%. He's well below 20% this year. Even in his struggles at the big league level, wasn't punching out much. I think he's going to get back up there and get acclimated once he gets, you know, the, the full ABs and consistent opportunities to do so. I think there's 10 to 15 home runs, maybe a little bit more uh, in AmFam. Yeah. Obviously, as many stolen bases as he possibly can steal. And I think he can hit high 200s and get on base at, at a pretty high clip if it all goes right. And, and there's not much reason to believe that it won't all go right with what he's shown us. I want to say Miller Park so bad when you say AmFam, but I, I can get behind AmFam. I can't get behind American Family Field. But nah, it, it's it, too much. It'll either be Miller Park or AmFam. But yeah, at AmFam, I think he can poke some out. Um it's so funny, man. We talk about simplicity of swing. Like I, I met your guy, Matt Mervis, guest on the call up. Um, I met your guy in uh, in Indy when the Iowa Cubs were there. And I said, who do you like watching? Because I remember having such a good conversation with Griffin Conine about it um, when we were in Pensacola. And I was like, OK, this is obviously a guy that thinks about swings all the time. Who do you like watching? Said Jordan Alvarez because he's so simple. He is a simple, powerful, oh, like left-handed bat. There's some, yeah. there's some Jordan Alvarez and Mervis, honestly, I, with how simple it is. I think so is. too, because it's point A to point B, man. And like you mentioned, the Buxton in Esteri Ruiz's swing, it's point A to point B. They cut out the middle shit. If you have the athleticism to cut something out of the swing, by God, do, do it. it because it simplifies life. I mean, like you mentioned, the walk rate has gone up. He's probably thinking less about this shit and more yeah. about swinging or not swinging exactly. at the pitch. Exactly. And not everybody has that liberty, right? Like we're going to talk about Bryce Turing, who who kind of had to do the opposite. Uh, but if you're a good enough hitter, you can add some movement and still get away with it to tap into more power. That's way harder than just simplifying and relying on your freak of nature, strength, or bat speed. Mervis People don't realize like he was a pitcher and he threw mid nineties. So he has that like rotational explosion and you can now see it in the box. Mervis doesn't move and he crushes baseballs and he doesn't um, move, dude. Your was, Don doesn't move. I was, Judge doesn't move. Doesn't move at all. I was just talking to Mervis's teammate at Duke. One of my really good friends, Mike Rothenberg, who was struggling in an a ball. 
And he's a 6'3 switch hitting catcher who hit for power at Duke. And he was just struggling to time everything up. He's a big dude. And he was talking to me because he's been on a hot streak. He just hit a couple couple straight games with homers. And I was like, well, you know, what is what has been different for you? He's like, dude, I just simplified things. I just simplified things. I widened out. I, I got my hands in a spot where I want him to be. And I'm still hitting the ball just as hard. And he's been hitting home runs over the last couple of weeks. So it, it is funny how some of these big guys, we talked about it with Burleson on the pod. Some guys have really just been able to figure that out. And, and the world kind of becomes their oyster. I've, I really hate how much I love Bryce Turang now, uh, who checks in at three. And I was a Bryce Turang doubter. I'm a bozo because I did the Turang dive. And also, I mean, I've been watching, monitoring this year, and I'm like, okay, this guy's, you know, solidifying himself as a potential big league piece. Uh, he He's an above average big league shortstop, I think, man. I, he's going to be up there on the top 100. I, I can't believe it because – I was always a doubter of the impact. And, and this was my favorite write-up I did in the top 100, which, by the way, if you, if you want to read along, see all the individual grades, link is in the description. This was my favorite write-up I did on this top 100, or on this top 10 list for the Brewers, because Turang made some major... admit defeat. I admit defeat. I admit defeat. And also, like, I just had so much fun. There's nothing more fun than watching a guy make tangible adjustments and watch those adjustments translate. Like that was so fun. When I, like when we talk about admit defeat, like that is awesome. Like I love being wrong when it's success on a guy's career. Like that's freaking great. Um, And and I'll just talk about where I went wrong so we can talk about where he's gone. Right. I never thought he was going to impact the baseball enough. And I look at the shortstop position, which has clearly become a position of impact. I also thought the defense was closer to above average than plus. So I was like, okay, if he's not an elite, elite defender at shortstop, then he better be able to hit the ball, at least with a little bit more impact. There was no impact. The defense was pretty good. Defense looks plus. Like, I was floored at his D. I I clicked through, I think, almost every put out he made this year floored by the defense. And then the bat, he added impact this year. I'll get into the swing adjustments, but I want to kind of let you go a little bit because I think you've seen – a little bit of Turang so far this year, right? I watched him nonstop for a week. Um, and and I've kept very close tabs after that because I was so pleasantly surprised by Bryce Turang. Um, yeah, I I and I'm sure like you gave pause to a couple of the defensive putouts that he made against Indianapolis. This was like right before July 4th. That series ended on July 3rd. There were a couple, and there was one, it was a ground ball up the gut, Turang ranging hard to his forehand, spins throws pretty much falling into yeah. center field and gets one of our faster guys. I'm blanking on who it was. Was that I the clip like, I tweeted out? Uh, possibly. I'll, I'll take a look and, and go back. But what Terang does defensively, I'm like, okay, um, you are big enough to survive on the arm and you're so fluid. He's, it, and he's rangeful. I was not expecting him because I thought he was more 55 than 60 runner. And he might be more of a 65 runner. I, 29 for 31 in stolen bases and triple A. That, that's another that's thing that real. was that wasn't part of his game as much before. He stole some bags, but not with that efficiency and not with that aggressiveness at the highest level. So now you have stolen stolen bases improving, power massively improving, bat to ball with the same, defense clear as day, really good. Like that's a big league shortstop. 
So in 2019, as a 19-year-old, between low A and high A, he was 30 for 35 in the stolen base department. Okay. You take that with a grain of salt. Yeah. You, you do, because- There's a again, big difference like, between that and 29 for 31 and triple. Yes. Massive, massive difference. And Terang, like, I don't know if he's a 30 stolen base guy at the big league level, but he's a 20 stolen base guy. Um, another thing to point out, no matter how short or how long the stop, this year at triple across 116 games is the first time in Tereng's career that he's slugging over 400. Yep. Yep. And I want to get into that. So I was that this was my favorite write up because I had the, the multi windows open 2021 swing, 2022 swing. Talk about separation and something there. He started very upright. Hands were right by his ear on his shoulder. And it was kind of just this quiet, like this, just, boring load, throw his hands at it. And he could spray the ball all over. His contact rates are great. Uh, but he just did not have much of that separation, much of a negative movement to, to create any tension, to really keep his weight back. So it was hands by his ear, drift forward and roll over. Or uh, There was not much stored energy or, or really tension at all. Now he starts a little bit more open and the hands are kind of higher, almost like a la Christian Yelich where his hands are up high. And I think now his only thought there is get them a little bit back and slotted instead of they're next to my ear. And I'm just moving forward. Like there wasn't much of a negative move there. Now he's up here and he gets that tension and starting a bit more in his legs as well. He's widened his stance out. So he's more in his lower half. His hands are more in a spot where he's creating a little bit more negative movement and tension. And you just see way more power here. But here's the best part is it hasn't come at the expense of his contact. Another guy that's a great athlete with a bit more of a, a pronounced psychic, a little bit more you know, going on there. He's able to still repeat it all and, and do it all efficiently. Contact rates have not taken a hit. Power, he's already doubled what his home run output of any other year. Uh, so you're seeing more power, same contact rates. Pretty much everything across the board is improved. And elite defense and great base stealing ability. Uh I think there's 10 to 15 home runs here now that we're seeing what he's been able to develop into. He's added multiple. I think, you know, this was this was probably the craziest stat I saw from the tweak. And I looked at the swings first and then dove into the data. And I was like, if the data backs up what I think it's going to back up, I'm all in. And it did exactly that. The tweaks accounted for and I had this in the write up. He saw his 90th percentile exit below jump by 1.5 miles per hour. That's a shitload. Also, he had more 105 plus mile per hour batted balls this season, which isn't over, than his previous two seasons combined. Yeah. I'll repeat that again because I think that that really like solidifies the uptick in power. More 105 plus mile per hour batted balls so far this year than 2019 and 2021 combined. You don't need to see anything else. That's physical adjustment, tangible adjustment, and the data backs it up. I don't need anything else when I see that. Last thing for me on Terang, like swing. Yes. Talk about swing all day long. He finished getting big. He Did he add some physical? I, that I, I couldn't really. It's so hard to tell from video how much stronger a guy got. That's the yeah. in-person thing usually. He's stronger, man. He looks stronger. Yes. That backs does. that up too. And that probably allows him to, to feel a little bit more comfortable with his hands further from, from his body. Cause the further you are from your body, you know, the harder it is to kind of feel strong there. And that's why he used to kind of be right up, you know, crowded. And it, and it's not immobile weight either. Like what I was talking no, about. No, he still moves. Yeah. Seeing him like up close and personal and seeing O'Neill Cruz up close and personal, 
um, like you notice O'Neill as he like spends more years in professional baseball, like the, the circumference of his arms just gets a little bit bigger and it's not bad weight. Like you don't have Popeye biceps or Popeye forearms. Like they just look sturdier. They yeah. look more durable. That's Bryce Terang. He's just got a nice layer of muscle over everything. Like he actually looks like a grown professional athlete. So here's the interesting thing. Where where does he play? They were putting him in center a little bit. He's a shortstop. They're short putting stop. him at third a little bit. They're putting him a second a little bit. I, I agree. He's a shortstop. Willie Adamas, what do you do? Third. Adamas is like not as good of a defender as people make it out to be. No, I'm with you. Um, Luis Arias should be your everyday second baseman after Wong. Wait, I actually like that infield so much better. Yeah. Sal Freelich in the outfield as well. Like you've got, and we'll get to him in a second, Terang at short, Adamas at third, Arias at second base, who can, you know, you, you can also mix in Keston Hira first, second, if you need, you know, kind of move him around. Hira has been playing a good first base. Yeah. And you can, I think you can play second in a pinch, although he's kind of yeah. slowed down a little bit and, and looks more like a first baseman, I, but I, that's a fun infield. Uh, that's a fun infield. And then you also have the outfield, which we know how fun that's going to be. And, and I think a guy that could really break camp with them is, is Sal Freelich next year. Yeah. Freelich has been just incredible in the upper levels, especially in AAA since getting the bump. And another guy that, you know, if you're a Brewers fan and this is your first, you know, chance really hearing from us here, because I know a lot of people discover, you know, the podcast through the top tens that we do searching for their team. We interviewed Freelick and Weimer um, a little while back. You can dig back probably a couple dozen episodes and Freelick. I want to forget the player side of things. Got to be one of the coolest, most humble just just salt of the earth dudes I've ever come across in professional baseball and just sports in general. What a guy. Like you have to root for this guy. There's something about having a guy walk up to you when they were a first round pick and a top five prospect in their organization saying, What's up? I'm Sal. Dude, we know who the <laughs> yeah, fuck yeah, you yeah, are. Yeah, we yeah. want to interview you. Yeah. Like we know what's who up, you Sal? are. What's up, I'm Sal with a smile and shakes your hand. You know, yeah, I, like I don't There's something about like the feeling of, Hey, what's your name? It like just yeah. rubs you the right way from these guys. And, like, and I, Sal Freelick has that. Cause I don't even, I don't even expect that. Like I, I, I wouldn't even be upset if it was like, all right, let's get this done real quick. I got to do BP. I wouldn't even take that personally. <laughs> like, no, I'd be like, all right, sounds good. All. Thanks for your time, man. Like he was super, but, but this is important because I talk about how much we tried to bake makeup into this side of things as well, because it does matter. Right. I mean, Look at some of these prospects that can put them over the top and everybody that's played with South Freelick or against South Freelick loves the way he approaches the game and loves the, what he brings to the table. And, and we're in a unique situation where we can meet a lot of these guys. Like, you know, you're constantly around minor league baseball. I'm constantly around minor league baseball. If we have that at our disposal, like our ability to meet these dudes and bake makeup in, um, we're going to do it. And like, this is a guy that we have met and we left like feeling better about than oh, when yeah. we went in and we still felt really good about it. Say the same in. thing about Robert Hassel, right? When we interviewed him, yes. where it was like, yes. I, I saw him struggling in double A and I'm like, I don't care because I, with the conversation we had with him, I'm like, that's a smart hitter that's going to adjust. And he's already made the adjustments. He's already looked a lot more comfortable. And he's got so, a pump. Yeah. He got a pump and he, he just looks a lot better. Uh, so like it, Freelick though, getting into to who he is as a player and why this all kind of bakes into it as well is 
he's a table setter, man. He's throwback 101 type of player here. But what I like is there's a little bit more juice in this uh, in this profile. I'll get to the comp in a second. But 22 years old and has just really hit the ground running in the upper levels after a bit of a slower start, really just went nuclear uh, at the tail end of his double A stint and then kind of just parlayed that into triple A where he's been even more ridiculous. He's almost doubled up the, the walks to strikeouts, 109 at bats, 128 plate appearances in triple A nine strikeouts against 15 walks. He has some of the most impressive bat to ball skills. You're going to see three sport athlete in high school. Um, really, really well-rounded athlete that controls his body. Well, he did have a little bit of the drift going on when we saw him in double, you watch him now way better at staying back in his backside and really just staying in his legs and not losing it. Obviously hits the ground, the ball on the ground a little bit, but hits it on the ground less than Garrett Mitchell, right? He's more in the 53% range, which I'm fine with, with a guy with his kind of speed, hits the ball in the air enough, enough power to split the gaps. We've seen that because he's got 18 doubles, five triples this season and five homers. He's going to sneak some homers out as well. Uh, and he's continuing to get better on the base paths. That's something that needs a little bit of work, but he doesn't have that much experience really exclusively playing baseball. Uh, and he said that's something that he wants to continue to work on, but this he's such a safe prospect center fielder that can bat lead off for you for, and, and do a great job. Yeah. I mean, <laughs> dude, like I I'm in love. Um, nine punch outs and 128 plate appearances. I see that and I fall in love. Yeah. Um, and, and a guy that I'm currently in love with right now, I said uh, on one of the recent just baseball shows, my my favorite player to watch in Major League Baseball right now, you comped him to in the write-up. Yep, which I know you loved. So yeah. there's so much Stephen Kwan here. There's so yeah. much Stephen Kwan here. Um, and with lefty bat, elite bat-to-ball skills, um, really good athlete, plays a good outfield. But what, you know what's interesting about Freelich is – there's more power than Stephen Kwan in there yeah. that he's going to unlock. He's already producing higher exit velos than we ever saw from, from Kwan in the minors. And even that we've seen from Kwan this year, like he's hitting the ball harder than Kwan. And I mean, Sal Freelix produced a couple 106 mile per hour exit velos already this year. That's solid. Like that is more than solid. A couple 106s, I think it's three or four 106s from Freelick. That'll project with the big league baseballs as well. To 10 home runs. If he's giving you 10 homers with a Stephen Kwan type of production, 90% zone contact, I think there's going to be slightly more whiff and a little bit more power, more speed. Probably this is maybe a better version of Kwan. If it all goes right. Which is crazy because Kwan is already a 300 hitter and like one and of the three better table setters in baseball. Yeah. And he's one of the player. better table setters in major league baseball. That's what Sal can be. I, we can watch Sal Freelick for the next 10 years be the leadoff hitter for the Milwaukee Brewers. Absolutely. And and he's throwback, but he's like modern throwback because there's a little bit more juice there. The throwback players before, like it was, you're hoping for one homer, right? Like JP, Juan Pierre, it's hoping for one homer a year. Oh, that, Ben that Revere, not, yeah. Yeah, this is a little different here. You're going to get 20 plus doubles, some triples, and a handful of homers as well. And he walks. And that's the other thing too. He walks because he's patient and he's going to grind you the hell out the defense will continue to get better in the outfield. Uh, and I think he projects as an above average outfielder there. Uh, the arm is, is fine. 
I'm I'm a huge fan. I think he's going to be a three to four win player almost every single year. Like that's how safe he is. Yeah, he's fast, dude. I mean, a 70 hit tool with a 70 run. I'll take that on my, even if it was 25 pop, but you've got 45 <laughs> raw, 35 game. It's unbelievable. Taking yeah, it. I, I'm, I, that's the thing. It's the more impact than you'd think. And he's strong. Like he's a strong guy. We, we saw it. Um, a hockey player. Hockey player and football. Yeah. Jackson Churio checks in at number one. What Jackson Churio has done this year has been incredible. Uh, international free agent. That really, I mean, we haven't seen many international free agents hit the ground running like this. Can you remember the last time we've seen an international free agent just just go stateside and just rake right from the get-go? I'm sure people will come up with an example, but a recent history, I can't really think of one. Even so, the Diego Cartayas of the world, like hit so, some struggles out of the game. Like, yeah, Cartaya was going to be the one that I was going to say, but Cartaya was hurt. A he was lot. hurt. Like, he wasn't playing consistently. And he had like, you know, the 2020 in between to kind of work on things. It wasn't just like throw you out there and see how it goes. He had 2019 in rookie ball and then 2020, you know, at the complex, whatever uh, instructs with Jackson Chorio. It was kind of just like, go ahead, kid. (laughs) You're going to play full season ball, like pretty much right out of the gate. Uh, He played in the Dominican Summer League in 2021, and it was a joke for him there. But what's crazy is he goes to full season ball in low A in 2022. And actually improved. How often do you see guys 17 years old Dominican summer league, 18 year year old stateside full season debut, not the complex full season, improve their numbers? It's it's ridiculous. He had 324, 373, 600 in low A, gets promoted to high A. I'm like, okay, he's gonna struggle now. Like naturally. Nope. 27 games in high A, eight homers, 252, 325, 14 slash line. You got anything? <laughs> no, that's you, man. Keep going. Just keep going? Yeah. Okay. More on Chorio. Elite defensive potential in center. I was pretty impressed by it, the way this guy closes in on baseballs in center. Um, speed is plus plus, and he takes good routes. He could be an elite defender in center field. Power plus raw. Hit is a question. Um. What do you think of the way that this guy has been ranked in other spheres? Because we've seen him size two. Yeah, that was Baseball America that put him at two. Yeah. Um, I personally don't like it. Um, He's 18 years old and he's played a month in high A. I don't like that that's the number two prospect in baseball because for you two, I know proximity matters. Mm -hmm. Um, Now, granted, it is impossible to ignore what Jackson Chorio has done. And is he deserving of a top 20 spot? Absolutely. Um, Wander Franco was the top prospect in baseball in high A. I guess my question, like, my question is what, that I'm asking myself internally. I'm like, what separates Wander Franco's situation from Jackson Chorio's situation? And I'm struggling to find it. Hit tool, yeah. But what Chorio does in every other aspect besides the hit tool is enough to like quell those concerns yeah. because like, what are we looking at ceiling and floor wise floor is the massive question ceiling. We're looking at one of the best players in the game. We're looking at the ceiling of Brennan Davis, right? We're looking at dating Rihanna, Matt Kemp that we yeah. talked about. We're looking at, you know, MVP 30, 30, Matt Kemp. Um, 
that's Chorio's ceiling. Now, Franco, when he was the top prospect in all of baseball, his floor was still everyday big leaguer. Yeah. Is Chorio's floor at this juncture everyday big leaguer? And that's the question that I'm wrestling with. I have no idea. I think his floor is like Jake Marisnik. <laughs> Which, like, he just got released by the Pirates. Like, there's not much competition for roster spots on the Pittsburgh Pirates. Mm-hmm. Jake Marisnik lost that. And, and like, I, I think it, a lot would have to go wrong to hit that floor, right? Because like, I, I think his 50th percentile outcome is like, I mean, a, a great defensive center fielder who, you know, maybe struggles to get on base as frequently as you'd like, but hits 25 homers and has game changing speed. So you look at like it from that's that. A, that's an everyday player. That's an everyday player. That's his 50th percentile outcome, I think. His floor you know, is, is probably more of that fourth outfielder type, but that's if everything goes wrong, he's a super aggressive hitter as are, you know, a lot of young guys chases a lot. That's hurt him in the, in the walk department, it's hurt him in the strikeout department at times, but he has cut the, the K rate down so far in high A 20 homers in less than a hundred games is pretty impressive for an 18 year old. And he's a young 18-year-old, right? Like he was 17 at the start of this season. And I think that's a big part of this too. I, I think because of his youth and because of what he's already shown, there's a lot of reason to believe that his ceiling is more likely than his floor, if that makes sense. Yeah. And I think that's why we're seeing him ranked so high. For us, he's going to be more in the top 15 range than he's going to be closer to 15 than he is to, to one. I'll say that in our top 100 update. And that's because proximity matters. And there's still some whiff here. Um, and there's still some, some rawness to his offensive game, but don't get me wrong. Like if, if he goes to double and keeps hitting, you know, next year, he could be the number one prospect in baseball, but yeah. I, I just want to see a bit more. I think it, it, it's a little early, but his ceiling legitimately is top prospect in baseball and one of the best outfielders in the game. Um, and there's a legitimate chance he can be there as he tweaks his approach. And as he continues to, to build on what is, insane defensive ability and really exciting speed and above average raw power. Congratulations to the both of us. Brewers fans now hate us because we said that Jackson Chorio is a top 15 prospect in baseball, not top five. You think so? You think that's, that's, that's hate territory. Yes. I think, I think baseball so. no. fan graphs out of like 47. Yeah, no, I, we are split in the middle. Um, very excited about that. I love Milwaukee as a place. My girlfriend is in med school in Milwaukee right Look now. you trying I to score all the points you can. Listen, I get out there. I, I fully hope that Jackson short. And here's the thing. Brewers fans seem measured to me. They seem very like, you know, okay, we understand that like things may not work out exactly how we want, but you know what? We've, we've struck gold with Corbin Burns and we struck gold with Freddie Peralta. Um, you know, here we go. Whatever we get from Jackson Chorio as bonus, I, I think they're going to be very content with him being a top 15 prospect in baseball. Yeah, absolutely. And and again, with with a lot of ability to rise quickly, like quickly. Yes. Um, but just for us, you know, a little bit more, a little bit more. It could change. It could continue to finish strong by the end of the month. And by our offseason update, I could reevaluate and say, you know what? Maybe he did show a bit more, but watching some of the ABs, there's there's just the, the approach is a little behind the violence and bat speed is is insane. Some of the most insane bat speed I've seen from a teenager in the minor leagues right now. Could he go to the fall league? I think it's possible. I think it's possible. It, it, it's funny because teams approach it so differently. You know, 
the, the Cubs are going to be sending probably Brendan Davis, Miguel Amaya and, and Matt Mervis. That, that is an interesting group of like two injured guys and, and a guy that really just kind of broke out this year. Uh, you look at what some other teams do. It's guys that are right on the brink, rule five decisions, whatever. Then some other teams just send their youngins and say, sink or swim kid. Let's see how you do. I would like yeah. to see the Brewers send it because I think it would be a really good opportunity for him to continue to develop out there. And also selfishly, we're going to be out there. So I would love to see him out there. I'm, I'm very interested who, to see who the Brewers send because who else would you send? Yeah, I was thinking who else would they send? Like, it's not like they're going to send a send Terang. Like, Ruiz to get reps this. in the outfield, I think would be no, great. I don't even think so. I think he's played so many games. That's such a strenuous year getting and traded he's, he's up in the bigs, in down. The bigs. Yeah. Uh, so I, Terang's I think, not going. Ruiz, then maybe not. Weimer was there last year. He doesn't need to go. Uh, maybe Caro might go. Maybe Caro. Mm, Carol's on the younger side. Yeah, Tyler Black. Tyler Black, as he gets healthy, assuming he's healthy in time, that could be a guy. I don't know what the recovery is on broken, fractured scapula, but Dude. he could be a guy that goes, given that he missed a lot of the season with injury. But yeah, they're not like, going to send a lot of guys. That that might be the perfect dude to send out there. Yeah, maybe I, Ethan I Small think, to work on the command. I have no idea, man. I think Chorio should go to the fall. Chorio league. should go. My petition, Chorio to the fall league. <laughs> and I mean, dude, if he rakes out there against some of the older guys, you got to look almost AB to AB. Um, there's a lot to like. Again, I can't emphasize the bat speed enough. There is some bat speed there. Uh, Jefferson Caro, probably the most underrated guy in the system. Keep an eye on him. I think he has top 100 upside. Brewer system from closer to 30, now closer to middle of the pack. You can read all of the you know write-ups. Links in the description. Top 100 should be out later this week. I am not going to sleep for the next few days. Jack, any final thoughts from you as we gear up for what is going to be a fun week, I think, in prospect world? A lot of guys getting called up and we're hitting the final stretch. Yes, we're hitting the final stretch. Uh, happy debut day to Louis Varland. Um, yes. Happy debut day to – there was another guy. that Hayden Wisniewski. Hayden Wisniewski. Um, Hunter Brown looked good in his debut. Ooh, did he look good? Uh, he looked good. Um, yeah, it's it's been fun, man. Uh, what I will say, the Brewers, two destinations in double and triple. Biloxi, Mississippi. <laughs> you can have a good time in Biloxi. The Vegas of the South. And, of course, you can have a good time in Nashville, Tennessee as well. So uh, if you are looking to go watch the future of the Brewers at the upper levels, uh, you can't go wrong with Biloxi or Nashville. I totally agree. And I'm looking forward to hopefully getting out to Nashville sometime soon. If I can walk soon enough post-surgery here, I'm, I might sneak out there before the end of the season. We'll talk to you on either Wednesday or Thursday with updates around the minor leagues and just a lot going on that we're going to catch you up with. And then, of course, top 100 to look forward to, which will be a lot of fun as well. Talk to you then. Save big on Brunch for Mom, all in the Kroger app. Get 16-ounce packs of flavorful Angus 90% Lean Ground Sirloin for $4.99 each with a digital coupon. Then buy two, get two free on 12 packs of delicious Coca-Cola, Pepsi, or 7-Up, all with your card. Shop these deals at your local Kroger, less than five miles away. Or tap the screen now to download the Kroger app to save big today. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Prices and product availability subject to change. Restrictions apply. See site for details.